This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. My dad was a healthy 65-year-old. His only pre-existing condition was trusting Donald Trump, and for that, he paid with his life. I'm Chronicle columnist Tether Knight, and you're listening to Fifth Admission. That was Kristen Urquiza, a San Francisco woman whose speech Monday night at the Democratic National Convention went viral. She's angry. Angry that her dad died of COVID-19 in a Phoenix, Arizona hospital with no family at his side. Angry that he trusted President Trump's continued statements that the virus is just like the flu and that it was safe for cities and states to reopen. And angry that 173,000 other Americans have died of the virus with no relief in sight. She's joining me to talk about her dad, his death, and why she's determined to fight for a real national response to address COVID-19. Well, you made a big splash at the Democratic National Convention with a speech Monday night that went viral. Um, What was that like to be getting so much attention nationally? Um, It's been a overwhelming. Um, but you know, I think part of what I have felt is a resolve to continue to share my story. Mm -hmm. Um, because I know that it represents, uh, literally tens of thousands of people across the country. Right. Um, and the incredible loss and pain and grief that so many of us are feeling because of these, you know, terrible leadership decisions by the folks in charge. Yes. I just looked in, we're up to 173,000 Americans who have died of COVID-19. And when you multiply that out by all of the people who love them, family and friends and coworkers, you know, so many people are impacted by this. Um, So I think people are relating to your story. That's part of the reason why we launched Mark by COVID, uh, to give folks a platform to come forward and share their stories, whether they've lost a loved one there, uh, or they've themselves have survived COVID. There's so many different layers to what it means to be impacted by COVID that we are not even beginning to understand. Right. Um, so tell me about your dad, Mark. What was he like? Uh, my dad was an exuberant guy who loved friends and family and was incredibly generous. Um, I grew up in Arizona. It's very hot in the summer. My dad was the guy that people would call to ask for help in moving a piece of furniture in 115 degree heat because my dad would say yes. Mm -hmm. That is just the type of person he was. Mm -hmm. And what was he like for you um, growing up with him? (laughs) Um, He was, you know, he and I didn't actually agree on a (laughs) lot of political issues. So he and I had, um, you know, he and I both had a love for politics, but saw things uh, differently a lot of times. Mm -hmm. But Um, A lot of our conversations revolved around that. And I think that part of my ability to um, both have a love for um, this country and a love for democracy and a love for history stems from that. And our relationship was really built around, um, you know, both our, 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 our love of, of, you know, of this country. Mm -hmm. And he raised you in Phoenix, Arizona, and then um, was living there um, his whole life. 
Yeah, my dad was born and raised um, in Phoenix, which is where I lived until I went away uh, to college. He was the oldest of six brothers and sisters uh, who all still live in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Our family um, comes together on Sundays to uh, spend time together. I Me, mean, obviously, pre-pandemic uh, times. Yeah. Um, he's very close. We, we were a very close family. Mm-hmm. And so um, on June 11th, he woke up feeling badly. He had a fever, cough, um, was very exhausted, and he tested positive for COVID-19 and was soon hospitalized. Um, What happened from there? He was in the hospital for two weeks. Um, When he was admitted into the hospital, he um, was having trouble breathing um, and immediately got uh, not put on a ventilator, but put on a treatment called high-flow oxygen. Um, and that helped him right away uh, be able to just feel uh, much better. He had so much optimism while in the hospital. Um, he, you know, was text messaging me um, and I him every single day about, um, you know, how excited he was to come home um, and how he had so much more uh, life to live and um, so much of my life to be a part of. Um, being in the hospital, having a loved one in the hospital in COVID is is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can't see, you know, people know that you can't go in and visit, but also I couldn't talk to my dad on the phone because the machinery uh, that was keeping him able to breathe is just so loud Mm. that, you know, I couldn't hear him on the other line of the phone. So my last conversations with my dad are are long text messages, Mm -hmm. which is just so hard. You were telling me that um, he was sending you pretty optimistic text messages and he was pretty sure he was going to be okay, he was hopeful. What did some of those messages say? You know, the day before he went into the ICU, um, he went to into the ICU on a Friday, that the Thursday night before he was telling me, oh, I feel so much better. Um, I think I'm going to be home on Monday. Mm. And I, I knew he wasn't going to be home on Monday. I had had conversations with his doctor that, you know, that his condition hadn't improved a ton, but he hadn't gotten worse. Um, but I just, I loved the fact that he really had this, um, it really showed just how determined he was to, to beat this virus and how committed he was to continuing his life. Um, so the next day, whenever his condition deteriorated quickly and he had to be put on a ventilator, you know, I, even though I, I knew that he wasn't going to be coming home on Monday, I wasn't expecting him to die on Tuesday. Mm, Yeah. And you and your partner, um, you live in San Francisco in the Richmond district, and you jumped in your car that day to drive to Arizona just to be closer to him, although you couldn't didn't think you'd be allowed to visit. Um, but you didn't get very far before getting a call from your mom. Um, so tell me about what that phone call was like. Yeah. So the day that my dad passed, we talked to the doctor who uh, was so just uh, just shocked that my dad's condition had deteriorated so quickly and said that, you know, they would continue to fight for him, but that, you know, we, that it it could be also um, his final time with us. And so I got into the car with my partner and and we were on the, you know, five freeway trying to get home when uh, my mom called and she had said that the nurse had called her and that his heart was giving out. Mm. Um, I took that call from a gas station. I don't even know where I was, mm-hmm. somewhere on that long stretch of road yeah. as the sun was setting. And my mom was telling me that my dad was dying. Mm. It was the worst call that I've ever received. Um, but also just, 
you know, the, the bizarreness and non-normalcy of it was not foreign to me. I just remember thinking this should not be happening. Mm -hmm. This is not the way this should be happening. Um, and so in addition to my grief, I had, I had a lot of anger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then she actually, um, had to leave the call because she got a call from the doctor and came back on to tell you that he had indeed died and he was by himself, right? Yeah, he was. Um, that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, my mom had asked the nurse to be with him um, and to uh, tell him that we loved him. And so while he did not die completely alone, he did die with a stranger holding his hand, mm -hmm. which I very much appreciate. Um, that nurse actually reached out to me afterwards to tell me that, you know, it was a complete privilege and honor to be with my father in those final moments. And that she wanted me to know that, you know, she cared for him as if uh, he was her own dad. Wow. Healthcare workers are such heroes. They shouldn't have to be, right? No. Yes. I mean, we're putting them in an incredibly difficult position. Mm -hmm. and you know, part of my outspokenness also is for them. We shouldn't, they sh this shouldn't be happening. They no. shouldn't be having to be heroes right now. Yeah. And so then you were faced with um, planning a memorial service in a time when people cannot get together. And obviously the virus is still raging and especially in hotbeds like Arizona. So what was that like? It was a bizarre experience um, and hard, um, not only because I couldn't have a typical memorial service where people could congregate and hug one another and be together and, and have a celebration, which is what my dad would have loved to have had. But, you know, I had to have really hard conversations with some folks that really wanted to be there to say, listen, like, it's not safe for us to be together. And the last thing I want is, you know, additional people in my family becoming ill. Mm -hmm. um, so it was one of the most challenging periods of this whole experience. And I'm so grateful that my mom and my aunts and uncles stood beside me and said, Kristen, we will follow your lead on this. And I was able to put together, you know, a very small memorial uh, for the immediate family where nobody got sick, where we wore masks, where we social distanced, and where, you know, sadly afterwards, we went our separate ways to mourn alone in our respective households. I'll be back for more with Kristen Urquiza. You can support Fifth in Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Heather Knight, and I'm back with Kristen Urquiza. You were understandably very angry by that whole experience, and um, you told me that the needless suffering and kind of the shrug from the federal government reminded you of the AIDS crisis here in San Francisco in the early 1980s. Why did you make that comparison? Um, I think there's just such a clear roadmap to how we should not be handling a 
viral infection. And, you know, I um, have always admired the activists, whether it's Cleve Jones or Larry Kramer at ACT UP, uh, for the tireless, uh, relentless advocacy that they, um, in raising their voice to ensure that people were getting the care and the attention needed. Um, I see so many parallels right now where we're so comfortable um, allowing ourselves to look the other way whenever it's, you know, the folks that we don't care so much about who are suffering, whether that's people of color, the Hispanic community, the black community, reservations and indigenous folks, that's where this virus is taking hold. Um, it's not too dissimilar than what was happening to the LGBTQ community that was nearly decimated in particular places like here in San Francisco and New York. Um, and our response then was outrageous. We wouldn't give funding to study. We wouldn't, we, 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 we at first called it a gay disease. Um, kind of like know, the China flu. Exactly like the China virus, the China flu. Um, and our federal go government is having the same exact response. And, you know, what is going to happen if we don't, um, you know, take this as a public health crisis is that too many more people are going to die a short death, a, a painful death, a shortened life, just like my dad. And yes. I'm just not okay with that. Yeah. So you kind of channeled this anger and frustration into founding an awareness campaign called Marked by COVID. And Mark is a nod to your dad's first name. And you're sharing the stories of some of the families of um, the thousands, tens of thousands of Americans who've died of the virus. We read about these stories every day in the newspaper, but why do you think it's so important to um, share them um, the way you are? Um, you know, part of the inspiration of Mark by COVID also comes from the name's memorial quilt, which was birthed here in San Francisco. And what I know of it, it was a way to really personify the loss. And in particular, in this time where we can't come together and have memorials and grieving in a way that we typically would, I think it's really important that people have the opportunity to share their story and to really give a, a face to what this incredible loss means um, across, you know, communities throughout the country. Mm -hmm. And your dad actually voted for Donald Trump for president in 2016. I know you did not. <laughs> um it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and he continued to support him throughout his presidency. Um, you told me that he um, he believed what he said, what the president said about the virus and uh, actually went out and about when Arizona reopened its economy. And you believe that he got the virus from singing at a karaoke club, which um, in hindsight, we would not consider really worth such a risk. But why did he... Um, why did he believe that it was not a big deal? And why did he kind of go out and about when, when Arizona began to open up? Thanks for asking that. It's a series of unfortunate events that were completely preventable. Um, Arizona opened up on May 15th. The first place the president visited um, after his own quarantine from shelter in place was Arizona, in which on that flight um, going to and landing, uh, was very fervent about needing to reopen uh, the economy um, and to get back to work. Um, the governor of Arizona, Doug Ducey, in his executive order, uh, prevented local municipalities from taking stronger measures such as mask wearing um, and other safety measures to prioritize public health. And then he took his actions one step further 
um, and you know, went on a media tour to really emphasize that we were on the other side of this pandemic and that if you did not have an underlying health condition, it was safe to be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the governor of Arizona did a great job of reiterating the president's message. And that's what my dad heard. And that's when he thought that it was safe to be able to start to resume life as normal. Mm-hmm. And so when his you know, karaoke friends called him up, which he did karaoke every week for his the last 10 years to say karaoke is back on my dad thought it was safe to Mm. be able to go out. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was reiterated throughout the airwaves by the people he trusted and on the news sources like Fox News and other places um, on his social media feeds where that was reiterated. There was a concert of downplaying of the virus coming from these folks, which cost my dad his life. Mm -hmm. Did you talk to him? Did you know that he was going out and, you know, socializing and just picking up where he left off in terms of his social life? Absolutely. <laughs> um, during this entire crisis, I've been in constant contact with my parents. Um, I've felt very fortunate to live in a place where I know people are listening to science, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, Mayor Breed or uh, Gavin Newsom in Sacramento. Um, and so I was doing, you know, day by day comparisons about where we were, what we were doing here in San Francisco and how that differed from Arizona. Um, and whenever the economy started to reopen in Arizona, you know, I was telling my folks like, listen, this is a huge departure. We're, we're actually not on the other side of this. And my dad's response was, Kristen, I hear you, but why, why would the governor say it's safe if it's not safe? Mm -hmm. And I just could not compete with that. Right. Your line in the convention that got so much attention was that your dad's only pre-existing condition was trusting Donald Trump. My dad was a healthy 65-year-old. His only pre-existing condition was trusting Donald Trump, and for that, he paid with his life. The coronavirus has made it clear that there are two Americas, the America that Donald Trump lives in and the America that my father died in. Enough is enough. Donald Trump may not have caused the coronavirus, but his dishonesty and his irresponsible actions made it so much worse. Do you think in the end it was the president's casual attitude about the virus that cost your dad his life? 100%. Mm-hmm. And what are you looking forward to on November 3rd if things go your way and Joe Biden is elected and Donald Trump gets the boot? How are you going to feel? I mean, honestly, Joe Biden is not a panacea to all of our problems, but I do believe that if Joe Biden is elected, we have a chance of getting a coordinated data-driven response to this pandemic, which will severely uh, limit the number of cases going forward. And I look forward to, I mean, I think one of the things that was reiterated throughout the convention uh, from particular President Obama is that democracy is not a sideline sport. And part of what I am doing and the people on Mark by COVID are doing is lifting our voices to be active participants in democracy. And so I plan to continue to participate. Um, It's my civic, you know, duty and responsibility. And I think that there are a lot of opportunities to make sure that whatever our COVID response ends up being, it centers the needs of people who have been most impacted. And if Trump does manage to pull off re-election, what does that mean for our country and our COVID-19 response? I am worried. I am, I am worried that more people will die needless deaths. But 
Additionally to that, we can't have a healthy economy without a healthy workforce. Mm -hmm. That's going to delay our ability to really be able to get back on track. And the long-term impacts of that will cost us probably our place as a superpower in the global economy. And that terrifies me from so many different perspectives. Yeah. And I don't know your religious beliefs, but if you believe that your dad is aware now of of what you've done um, in the past months and especially this week, um, becoming, you know, a very well-known figure around the country with your speech about his death, what do you think he would think? My dad, I know, is so proud of me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been reiterated by my mother, by his brothers and sisters. Um, he would, he has always encouraged me to raise my voice um, and to not let anything hold me back from fighting for what I believe for and for fighting for this country. Um, so I know he's cheering me on um, and probably singing a karaoke song <laughs> that's dedicating to me. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and congratulations on all of your important work. I appreciate the opportunity to connect further, Heather. Thank you to Kristen Urquiza for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening. 